Today we're going to be talking about the IDE wars, what IDEs we used, what IDEs we might want to use next, a little bit about light mode, dark mode even, and then a little bit about the future. Who knows, we might even talk about Vim. Stay tuned. Welcome back to another episode of Seek Bites. I'm Elliot Miller, and today on the podcast, I'm joined by Seamus Carney and William Lark. So today we're going to be talking about the IDE wars, and this should be a particularly spicy one because I have some pretty strong opinions on what is or isn't an IDE. Mind you, these are just my opinions. They don't represent the wider Seek or necessarily other Seekers here, but... You know, I mean... Yeah, because we will disagree with you. Yeah. Everything I mean, you say. You say the IDE wars, and my, my stupid brain just immediately says the EMU wars. <laughs> if you don't know wars. what that is, you should look it up. It's a real thing. It happened in Australian history. All right. There were wars between EMUs? EMU wars. You should look it up. Okay. Well, but today, we're talking about IDE wars. We are. So, I mean, the, the first question is, what is an IDE? Before we even get to the wars of which have happened, are still happening, the flame war. Yeah, an IDE is a piece of software that lets you code, edit, and deploy and test code. I'm just trying to remember what you mentioned. You said it earlier, and I'm just trying to... I did. <laughs> Tell the, us. The, the, the question is, does it meet those definitions? I don't know. So, look, if we ask AWS, um, you know, reputable source, what is an IDE? Their definition is an integrated development environment aka an IDE, is a software application that helps programmers develop software code efficiently. It increases developer productivity by combining capabilities such as software editing, building, testing, and packaging into an easy-to-use application. So that's that's quite a reasonable definition, I'd yeah, say. I like the part where it says it increases developer productivity. I think that's a big part of IDEs and a lot of reason why we kind of use them because they just make coding quicker. Yes. Does this mean that Vim is not an IDE? Well, because it slows you down. No. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a great question because some would argue that Vim is the best text editor and or IDE. Like, does Vim build your code? Does Vim test your code? What Can is you what is Vim for anyone who doesn't know it? It's just it's a text editing. Yeah, like thing. well, it's a it's a console text editor, right? So you edit within the the console itself, and I would argue that it is a text editor and not an IDE. And, and if you look at the stats from Stack Overflow, Vim was ranked uh, number three in most used text editors at 15.2% back in the 2015 survey. Wait, what's wow, above Vim? Um, well, it was Sublime Text yep, at that the makes time, sense. the original, and Notepad++. Now, Notepad++ <laughs> is Windows only. So, you know, if that was on OS X as well, we might have actually seen some higher numbers there. But 34.7% of people who responded to the 2015 survey from Stack Overflow use Notepad++ as their preferred text editor. Now, it's a pretty good text editor, and I've got to admit, being on OS X, I do miss it, but I've kind of moved to Visual Studio Code as my default text editor because really that's what it is. And I'll, before I start flaming too much, I'll just qualify that with the definition of IDE when talking about what helps you work most efficiently, whatever helps you as a developer work most efficiently, that's the best tool for you to use. Like, I don't really care if it's Visual Studio Code or IntelliJ or WebStorm, as long as it's not Eclipse, because that is just trash. So outside of Eclipse... Just throw an Eclipse under the bus. Oh, absolutely. Get if that you're an Eclipse user, we've just lost subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it is Java too. And to be honest, if, if I'm writing Java, I'm just like, I hate everything. <laughs> Java just... It's, it's not for me. There's nothing wrong with it. But, you know, some would argue Kotlin's better. But anyway. <laughs> 
So what, whatever tool helps you work the best as a developer, that's the tool that you should be using. And I don't think you should be afraid to try new tools. But I would encourage I people to try new absolutely, tools. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and that's it. I tried VS Code and I thought it was junk when it came out in 2015. And here we are in, you know, 2023 and it is considerably better. And yeah, it's, it's great. I well, thought of something yeah. this morning. I feel like this might be spicy. VS Code is the Android of IDEs. And like IntelliJ and WebStorm, like WebStorm and stuff, that's the Apple of IDEs. It's like wow, it's a complete ecosystem. There's you know all the you can just yes. you can subscribe to IntelliJ and get an IDE for all your different development ecosystems. Yeah, it's out of the box, does all the things that you like. I have not needed to modify my IDE it's at all. It's also expensive. As yeah, well. you need a re- therefore re- it is the Apple iPhone. It's, yeah, it's the Apple of IDEs, right? The and, software world. and upgrades are the same because you renew a subscription and you get nothing. The same way you upgrade an iPhone and nothing's changed. Yeah, they yeah. did a big UI overhaul and I couldn't see what happened. I couldn't no. see what changed. Ah, you had to enable the new UI. That's why the uh, new UI was no, spicy. I did. Really good. It just made some icons bigger. You had to <laughs> enable it. it. It well, I mean, I think by default it didn't enable, which is, I think, a good thing because forcing people to change UIs, you know, that's pretty jarring. Like, you never want to force your users to do anything, but sometimes you kind of have to. But yeah, like the new UI, it was very clean. It was a lot cleaner. The, the old one was pretty... They replaced text menus with Busy. icons in some scenarios. Like, so yeah. they did a very, they did a very yeah, Apple. The, like, mm-hmm. there was quite a few changes like that. So the latest version of IntelliJ, I think, is really, really clean and crisp. And somebody even said to me the other day, which was really funny, they're like, "How did you make your IntelliJ cleaner than my VS Code?" And I was just like, "Yes, I'm going to convert somebody else." Like, if you're using the IntelliJ suite, I mean, you know, any, anything from JetBrains is what I mean. You know, whether it's Ride or whether it's the GoLang one, whether it's PHP Storm, WebStorm, whatever. Um, I honestly think those are the best, but that's, you know, my two cents. But they're what helped me work the most efficiently. And I've been using them for a really, really long time. Before that, you know, I used a bunch of other things like Eclipse and, you know, things like Codebox and Visual Studio and, you know, Notepad++. Like, that was, like, my go-to before I really started using IDEs. But it's not an IDE. And that's kind of how I feel about VS Code. It's not really an IDE to me because I, I think back to, like, the original launch of it and I think the fact that you've got to install a lot of plugins and it requires more setup it just it doesn't help me work as efficiently as I can I don't mind that though I like the flexibility which ones have you used Seamus have you used a lot of ID or just let's just call them IDEs but let's include text editors as, as well um I used VS Code. Well, I used Atom for ages. Yep, Atom um, was a popular one. Yeah, before we all kind of moved to VS Code as our preferred free tool. Used VS Code for a few years. I mean, that's the thing right there, free. It yeah. is free. And as far as free tools go, I think it's very, very, very good. It's very hard to argue that VS Code can't do things that WebStorm and other full-featured IDEs can do. It just requires more configuration, right? And yep. a little bit more fiddling around. Um but yeah, I used VS Code for ages. I, I just got tired of plugins and having to... I, I felt like I was missing out on features that other people had because they're constantly like grabbing the latest plugins. See, that's what I feel like the problem with VS Code is, is that I need plugins to be able to do everything, whereas IntelliJ and WebStorm, it just does it. And then if I do touch a new language on IntelliJ, which you know is kind of the, the do-everything editor compared to WebStorm, which is just TypeScript... It, it tells me, they're like, oh, you're using Go right now. Do you want us to install the Go- official IntelliJ or JetBrains Go plugin? 
And I'm like, VS Code does yes, that as well, I would though. Like that, please. If you open up a new file, it'll be like, hey, do you want to install like the Go? Yeah, I mean, it still does that. What but I haven't seen VS Code do though, and this is why, like, you were asking what what I coded before, I coded VS Code for years. The reason that I ended up switching to WebStorm now is because yes. WebStorm analyzes your code base when you open it, and the fact that it does that interrogation of your code base gives it the ability to do things like completely black out code that's not being used anywhere. Yeah. So if I am scrolling through a file making some changes and I just see a, a block of essentially like black code, I just highlight and delete. And I have no concern about deleting because I know it's not being touched. It's not being accessed by anything in the code. Yeah. I, I really love that feature. There, there's quite a few little subtle features like that to the, the JetBrains suite, which I really, really like. And I'll just qualify. My favorite thing about the whole suite is it is identical features regardless of the, the platform kind of language that you're using. So if you're using Android Studio, you can use the exact same IDE features as if you're using WebStorm, PHP Storm, or the full kind of fledged IntelliJ. And I really, really like that. So when I was a while ago, I was using um, you know, C Sharp for the back end kind of stack, and then the front end was a React and JavaScript stack. And so I was using Rider for my back end. I transitioned away from Visual Studio just to try it. Then I was like, then my front end and back end were completely identical. Like same window layout, same keyboard shortcuts, same everything, which was really, really interesting. And that took a bit of a a bit of a mind shift from Visual Studio, which, you know, was in itself is very good enterprise software, but it's also very clunky and slow, or at least some versions, you know, were. The it, is that not the same though for if you go from v Visual Studio to VS Code? No. Um, Are they completely different? Completely different, yeah. Hmm. And for VS Code, obviously, you've got to like set it up for every language that you want to use. Yes. yes. Whereas yeah. if you've got, if you're like subscribed to, I always forget. Right, it's like Rider, WebStorm. What's the company that I always call it IntelliJ, but it's not. Yeah, That's another idea. JetBrains. JetBrains. Yeah. If you're yeah. subscribed to JetBrains, then you just download the ID that you want, and it's more or less the same. Yeah, like it feels very much the same. So much so that it's. I would say that it's kind of uncommon for game developers to go outside of um, the ecosystem, like the Unreal Engine or the Unity Engine. They do mm -hmm. a lot of dev in there, but obviously, when you're writing the actual code, you have to pop out into an IDE. Yeah. Most devs that I know in the indie scene use VS Code, obviously, because it's free. You can set it up and do whatever you want to do with it. But Rider, Rider is like the go-to pro, pro IDE for game devs for that same reason. Because if you're an engineer in the games industry, you're probably you've done web dev and like you've done other things, right? So you're not a game engineer and it's all you've ever done. Mm -hmm. And those people I've almost always found prefer to use Rider because I, it's yeah, I feel the like ecosystem's the same. It's different for game dev because you kind of need that uh like the analysis of your entire code. Hundred mm. percent. I mean I to it's, be honest, I'd argue anyone should have that. Like I, that's, I, I that's, reckon, a, that's I reckon, a really good point. I reckon you can get away with it. Like I mean I have no issue using VS code and there are definitely tools that help you like find code that's not being used. Mm. Um, there's other ways to do it. You don't have to rely on the and it, yeah. there's a trade off with that too. Like it's worth mentioning that WebStorm is slow to start up. That's you right. can't run five, six, seven code bases at once and be editing one, pushing a branch, jumping over, editing the next one. You have to well, close it, open the next one, close I'd it, open the next one. You can now on, on today's tech. Like five to ten years ago, no. But like 
on the the MacBooks and stuff now, I'm like, they're they're pretty good. You can well, pretty comfortably do that. We we've got the top spec MacBooks. We've yep. got like the bee's knees MacBook, right? Well, we did. Well, yeah, yeah, we do. They're pretty good. They're pre- not well, they're not M2s. They're M1s. So two years ago, they were the bee's knees. I mean, no, no, but people do have the M2s. Yeah, people. Yeah, people do. Uh, Security risk oh, on no. my machine. I have issues loading more than one WebStorm because it's Java. Really, Java's heavy. I don't have Java's it. Heavy. Like, Loading more than one project at a time. I guess it depends on the size of your project as well. Like that's going to have yeah, some impact could, on how. Because I have like six projects open at any one time, and I oh, just kind of hold flip on. Between you're them. using one window, yeah, and lots of tabs. Yeah, I don't for, like doing for that. different projects, like having different windows. Yeah, but no, mm, but you can same. just drag it out. So you can just kind of nest oh. your your open projects or drag them out. Oh, maybe I've just been IDEing bad. Yeah, because I have like two side by side. Often when I'm comparing, I can like run two, one front end and another one. Two can be okay. As soon as I start running the tests against one repo, the other IDE is like, nah, stop, stop. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so I often use like Tabby as well. I used to use Commander on Windows, but on OS X, there's no, you know, Commander doesn't work because it's a Windows only thing. And so Tabby, I often use that if I'm going to be running like node processes simultaneously, and I kind of do tabby. that outside. Yeah, what is tabby? Well, it's just um, it's a terminal app that allows you to have like you know it, i mean it's something like iterm or gotcha like, you're running your tests in your terminal rather than in the ide yeah oh, okay. but I, like i use the terminal in the ide when i'm debugging but otherwise i just use my separate terminal because i can you know control tilde and then it'll like open and minimize for me and then so i don't need to like find the window i just use the keyboard shortcut because i am all about the keyboard shortcuts that's another thing worth mentioning i find that the test runner in webstorm is not i prefer it over vs code's test runner yeah um, just the way that it like um, structures the output and I don't know, just navigating. If I run my entire code base tests, component tests, unit tests, everything, I can like, it just organizes and orchestrates the output in a way that's easy for me to like go through, see what's failed, what's what's succeeded. Any logs that ran only for that test, I can click on that test and then see the, the what the console was outputting for that one test. Yeah. I'm not looking at just a wall of everything that ran through the whole test suite. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it could be a plug-in thing. I haven't, but that's the thing is, I don't want to have to configure my VS Code yes, to get the same level this, of functionality. This is the issue I have. But hold on, hold code, on. You, I, I just don't get it out of the box. I just feel like that. I, I don't know. There's there's not enough love for VS Code here. <laughs> Good. I, I just, <laughs> give it. Bring more love. For I code. like. I I I do agree. I think with the with the debugging thing. I, I don't mean it does. good. Like I hate VS Code. I mean good as in like good that you're saying this. I just like. Yes, there's a bit, but the thing I didn't like about because I tried to do IntelliJ, I yeah. was like, it's you know we have licenses here, I'll try it out, and it was just too much. Like there was too many things that I was never going to use. Yeah. I did like some of the features, like the fact that it blacked out stuff, like that was handy. Well, you but I say blackout, which is funny, and this is going to sound weird, but I've configured mine to be bright fluoro. So okay, it's like when like it's highlighted. So whenever I see something that's bright fluoro, I'm like, that needs to be deleted because it's not being used anywhere. Yeah, draining your battery. It's bad for the environment. You got to get rid of it. <laughs> I also didn't like any of the themes. I tried to download more IntelliJ like themes, yeah. and I couldn't make it look the way I wanted. The shortcuts I. I selected the VS Code shortcuts because I'm just used to them. Yep. Um, but not all of them worked. Uh, it was just, it wasn't easy to transition over to something I was already comfortable with. And yep. it just, it did too much I just that I didn't care for. And in saying that, I had configured my VS Code to do what I wanted. Yeah. And nowadays, like, that gets all synced. If I get a new computer, like, my settings just get synced in. It's, it downloads all the plugins again. Like, it's a one-time thing, mm. um, which I really like. And, like, it's... I like how configured it is to me. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've done the same with, you know, the WebStorm suite. You know, I export all the settings from one and import them into another. So if I, you know... You have to do that manually. That's, that's a shame. Manually. Boy, you, that's, a, you probably, that's a tick for VS Code, I would say. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you probably don't have to, but I don't really, I don't really use the f- a lot of things where it's like it logs in and saves yeah. my settings to the cloud. I just don't do that sort of thing. Like maybe that's a failing on my part. I don't know. It just... I don't, I don't feel I need that. It's not missing in my life. Yeah. And it was too heavy. I think like you said, like IntelliJ, I, we have a lot of projects which are like we have to open up multiple services and different uh, panels, which I prefer as well. I prefer having mm-hmm. a different window for each project. Yep. And it just, we wouldn't like it. It was really tough to do. <laughs> Here's where I think it's hard to, to compare the two because you've got... One is a fully-fledged ID, right? IntelliJ. Yeah. It's a paid product. It's it's made exactly. It's it an is an ID. Apple iPhone of IDEs. All right, all right. Um, and then you've got VS Code, which is what you called the other day, Seamus, a light editor. Can yeah, you, right? Can you like, explain that between what an ID, a light editor, and maybe a text editor it is? Editor is? That's something that everyone's... Like, I've heard this term a lot um, when people talk about VS Code, that it's a light editor. It's because it's a... It's okay. I might be wrong here. It's a text editor, right? That happens to also have the capability that you can enhance it with all these other things. And that's what I'd kind of classify VS Code as. Like it's in 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 my mind. And look, I I you know I, I do think that's a wrong definition of it now. I think VS Code is definitely an IDE now. But I definitely like to throw shade and say it's not a text editor. Oh. It's what? definitely not a text it editor, right? It is a right? text editor. That's what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, it's not an ID because it needs so much configuration really to get it up to the same standard because I'm holding IDs to a really high standard there. And like, that's kind of a me thing. So that's why I'm, I'm happy to say like, it's just my opinion. And if you don't agree, that's cool. And obviously whatever helps you work most efficiently, that's what the right IDE for you. And if that IDE happens to be a lightweight ID or a text editor, I mean, you're just wrong. That's that's all there is. Uh, no, well, the definition right, said that uh, it makes your development more efficient. Yep, that's, that's right. Um, yeah, that's that's what AWS and it can build and test, was. right? Yep, yep. Which VS Code can VS Code do. Do that out of the box, right? Yeah. Well, I Doesn't mean, it does say things. combining capabilities such as software editing, building, testing, packaging. So it's like, well, I mean, it probably doesn't have to do everything, but being able to do that stuff is pretty useful. What what do you think the um if you were to hazard a guess right now, what what do you think like the most popular IDE is? Yeah, that's what I wanted. Uh, that was actually my next question. I was curious what other people say is the most popular. Uh I'm not sure. I, I I do think it's VS Code. I would, I would guess VS Code. Only because it's free and it's so much more accessible than IntelliJ. Microsoft, you know. Yeah. So it's like big brand. So if we were to, to kind of like skip to the end and look at the winners of the IDE Wars, which we still haven't even defined what they are, and we'll get to that. But the winner, spoiler alert, is is VS Code. And and the data I'm using for this is the Stack Overflow survey. So obviously, still the 2015 one? <laughs> no, this is the the latest, the 2023 one. Nice. So nice. 
you know, VS Code was launched in 2015. So if you look at that one, um, you look at when it first kind of popped up, it it ranked pretty low. It was 7.2%. And the top one at the time in 2000, um, sorry, this was 2016 uh, for this particular one, Notepad++, then Visual Studio, then Sublime Text, then Vim were for development environments. Now, it wasn't specifically IDEs that they were questioning at the time. Mm, so, yeah, that makes you know, because Notepad++ is obviously not very much not an IDE, but looking, jumping ahead, spoiler alert, VS Code as of 2023, by all, this is all respondents, so professional and learning to code and other codings, 73% out of the 86,000 respondents. Yeah, that's quite a lot. Right? That's huge. And what, what, what would you guess comes in at second and third? Mm, I know the answer because I looked it up the other day, but I actually, I can't quite remember. So I don't know the answer. I take that back. <laughs> I would imagine something else that's free. So number but honestly if like is there anything that is as good as VS Code that's free? If I, not then probably not a free thing. I I kind of argue there's probably not now. Yeah, not now. Like 2016, yes, definitely big competitors. Yeah. Things like Atom. Atom. Yeah. Absolutely. Um but the number 2 is Visual Studio. Yeah, that's right, thinking, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But Visual Studio is also free. There is like the kind of at-home developer version. Mm, uh, student version, yeah. Yeah, which is, you know, it's it's available. Um, has, has anyone used Visual Studio? I, I used it back in high school. That's what like they told, you know, that's what they taught us. Um, I haven't used it since then. Is it really much different to VS Code? It is. VS Code is, is like VS Code is a lightweight editor. It's VS Code once you've configured everything. Yeah, but Visual Studio, bleh, Visual Studio that is an idea. And for me, that's ah. like the, you know, Mac truck of IDEs. It's like, it does a lot, but it's very heavyweight. It's very, you know, resource mm -hmm. heavy. Interesting. And then number three is IntelliJ. Yeah. So is number four Vim? No, number four is Notepad++ ah. coming in at 24%, which is really funny. What? And then Vim, yes. number five. So well, Vim's still there. But what I can believe that because Vim is something like in the console, you just do like VI and it'll open. Like uh, people yeah. would just use that day-to-day, -day, you know, here and there. If you're very good at terminals, um, I, I think that Vim makes a lot of sense because, you know, you, you keep the one window open. And that's why I like things like Tabby or Commander where I can just open and close my console and then just start typing commands. So, you know, if I just want to quickly open a file, I can just be like, oh, you know, source, and then whatever the file name is, and it's just open. So you guys gave us the stats for just uh, for the everyone. Uh, what are the stats for the professionals? So professionals, it's unchanged. Visual Studio Code, then Visual Studio, ah. then IntelliJ, then Notepad++, and then Vim. Interestingly enough, when you look at the, the learning to code numbers, there's a higher percentage on Visual Studio Code, which should be no surprise because yeah, it's free. absolutely. But then it's, it's still VS Code. Um, Visual Studio, then IntelliJ. But the difference then is PyCharm then pops up, which is quite interesting. Is that free? Um, I don't know. Let's have a quick look, shall we? That's got to be AI related. That's got to be AI related. No, it's not. Yeah. PyCharm's the um, the JetBrains one. So there you go. And No, and I mean that AI devs write Python. Yeah. Like vast majority but of... this is learning to code people. So, yeah. Yeah, that'd be like... Uh, Python scripts is a really big thing in university as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, Especially data things. Yeah. And then our old favorite, um, Notepad++. Interestingly enough, then Android Studio pops up. So okay. I can, yeah, I can see that. Um, Android Studio for, for professional developers comes in behind Vim. So it's quite interesting. But that's that's the stats now. So 
I think the one thing we need to really clarify is, for those who don't know, what are the IDE wars? The editor war. What? What is the IDE wars? We're doing this now? We are doing it now. <laughs> we'll give the definition um, at long last. I thought that was just the name of the topic, just like the versus. No, it's a thing. The it's IDE thing? wars was the thing. You know, when did this happen? Like I was just after World War Two, the IDE wars came around. And <laughs> I was just thinking the IDE war was any time you mentioned the IDE, you used to another engineer. That's I mean, right. there's like kind you, of that. You've joined the war, <laughs> but no, like the the editor war. It was um, it, it was originally the rivalry between Vim and Emacs. Like that was, oh. yeah, like that was like right. the original as far as I knew anyway. So, you know, when, when you had like, oh, it's like the feature comparison and what's better and what's worse. And it's like, what's the benefits of one and what's the evolution of this? Yeah. So it, it, you know, and then there was the whole, the church of Emacs, like that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I can't really say I knew much about it, but it was like, yeah, like it, people, people got into it. So the IDE wars were absolutely a thing. One thing I wanted to, this is kind of a side thing of uh, IDEs, but they both have it, is light mode and dark mode. Yes. What, what do you guys, what do you guys I feel use? like this is the IDE war. I yeah. mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. What side of the moon are you on? So I'm probably, like people will call me a psychopath. You're a light side editor, are you? Oh, no. I, for my front end, I always use a light side editor. Oh, why didn't we vet him before? <laughs> what? <laughs> Like I, I use a light mode for front end. But I'm just imagining kind of like the front end devs, they're all running in light mode. They've got big glass windows. They've got PMs hanging with them, throwing balls around the office. Like they're having a great time. And then through some dank door, there's all the back end engineers like slowly balding, sitting in the dark, cold room, like in dark mode. And someone opens the door and... <laughs> I mean, I've got to be honest, even with light mode, I kind of feel As a back end like engineer, I've got to like like, clarify. But I'm like a full stack guy, born and bred. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been full stack. And sometimes, you know, I've only been doing front end work for months and other times it's only back end. But it's like I, I'm full stack through and through, right? But I, t- I totally feel that in general. Like, you know, when I'm, I'm working from home, which I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to do, it's like, yeah, it, it's like lights off in a dark room with just this massively bright monitor, like streaming white onto my face from my, my light-based editor. Yeah, so. something I do enjoy with, the, with, with light mode is that contrast. I, I've certainly found, I've certainly had days where I've spent hours just looking for a, the theme that I really like in, in VS Code, because I... I want I want it to be dark, but not too dark. It's kind of like a gray sort of you know black, and I want the I'm very particular with the colors of of like what a function, what a mm. type colors come out mm. as, and I, I I actually use kind of a high contrast theme because I I want to be able to see everything even though it's dark. That's why I've got my bright fluoro for unused code. I'm like yeah. the bright fluoro like pink on on the white background. I'm like it needs to die. It doesn't belong here. Nobody uses you anymore. But what about you two? So are we, are we light light mode, dark mode? Like what? what? I certainly do. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously do dark mode coding, like I just obviously. said. But but you're very dark and brooding. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I dark mode the universe. My OS is set to dark mode. That's right. Well, yeah. that's funny. My OS Same. is dark mode, right? So even on my phone. But when it comes to front end, I'm like light mode. Yep. But in saying that, I like because I can have a lot of windows open. So some apps. Um, like Slack, I actually have in light mode because I find I'll often have VS, if I'm using a bigger monitor, I'll have VS Code and Slack open. And sometimes if I won't know which one's which because they'll both be dark. I recently changed my Slack to light mode so I can like easily tell them apart. And, and some windows, like I like having light because I can 
yeah, just tell what what's code and what's like a browser. Mm. I don't know. People get very picky around light mode and dark mode. Some people really hate light mode. And I'm like, eh. Like it's it's one of the things I care less about light mode v dark mode than, you know, outside of my weird front end aversion to to dark mode. Like, eh. I, I like it. It's nicer on my eyes, and and if I'm on my computer at night, like it's it's just it's not as bright, which I really like. That's that's the only reason why I like it. That's Actually, true. no, and it also looks way better. So yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just your opinion. What 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 do we think about? So Seamus, we didn't ask you. What was your? Oh, dark mode all day. Okay, yeah. Dark mode all the way. Yeah. And as yeah. a partially colorblind person, I uh, I also struggle with the color themes. Like it has to be very specific color palette. Like neon things, it just triggers my color blindness and it just does weird things. It's actually physically uncomfortable to look at. Yeah. So yeah, I, I also spend, like when I change machines or I set up my IDE again, that's usually the time to play around and mess with things. It does take me like half a day to get just the color theme to be yeah. what I want it to be. One one topic I know we wanted to mention was uh, like predictions about the future of IDEs. Where yes. do you think they're going to go? Um, Seamus mentioned something called Lego programming, which I had never heard before uh, yesterday when we were talking about this. Yeah, Lego engineering is like the precursor to learning how to become a developer. It's basically they give you all of the um, like core engineering building blocks, no pun, um, and then the language they, they essentially give you like a little handheld dumb computer it's a super basic thing it can just um run some basic operations they give you a programming language that is like a learning environment that introduces you to logical conditions and logical gates and stuff like that and it's just like a, a little colorful block that you drag in and then it'll have like it, essentially it's just an if condition and you just, it'll have some uh, text boxes that you can enter some values into, that kind of thing. Um, so you can be like, if, and then drag a, va a variable into the box, and then it'll give you a little text box and you enter the value. So it's creating an if this variable is this. You know what I mean? So you're just dropping, drag and dropping all this stuff together. You don't even need to know how to like, do any of the normal text editing stuff. Is that kind of like, have you guys played Human Resource Machine? It's a, it's a, it's a I've, game. I've, I've seen it, but I haven't actually played it. Although I do play a bunch of different kind of mobile, idle games and stuff yeah it's not an idle game it's like a puzzle game but it's a pro programming game which reminds me of what you're talking about they essentially give you uh well it's a uh, inbox outbox jumps copy froms and essentially you're kind of writing a program to solve the puzzle but it's essentially yeah like just lego blocks that you kind of yeah. essentially putting together sequentially and it makes a pseudo sort of programming language within the game it's a good game i would highly recommend it um, there you go. But that's Will highly recommends human resource machine. And machine. machine, yeah. And, and where can we where can we get this? Oh, game? it's on everything. It's on iPhone, Steam. It's on, it's on everything. Yeah. Well, there you go. But yeah, similar kind of concept is is that they give you like building blocks that in a really easily understandable way express something like motor forward, and then you just tell it motor forward ten, and it'll go ten units forward, whatever a unit is. Um, Makes me think like you're just coding an agent, really. Coding so? a what? An agent. So when when we're talking about AI, we talk about agents. Ah, uh, yes. So like with within you know, I I always think back to you're talking about planning algorithms. Uni when I I think about the Wampus world, which is one of the, the the tools that we used. You you coded a little agent to go and find the gold, and the gold was actually the the link 
They uh, still teach Wampus Trifles. World in AI, by the way. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah, so you would, you would have Wampus the little world. Uh, fairy that you could send out. I forget the name of it. And so it could jump anywhere, whereas Link had to actually traverse directly. So he couldn't jump squares. He just had to move from square to square. And you you basically did, you know, depth first versus, you know, yeah. breadth first, et cetera, or, you know, A star, which is just the best as far as I know. Or at least it was. Like, you know, I'm sure things now, yeah. That, yeah. But Dark it's all about, like, AI pathing algorithms and stuff. Yeah, so the the agent was kind of like the thing that you sent out into your little world. So when when I think agent, I kind of think it applies for anything. So if, if it's a video game, the NPC could be an agent. But predictions about the future of IDEs, well, I think, you know, uh, some of the tools that we can see now integrated with things like IntelliJ, WebStorm, um, you know, VS Code. I'm, I don't know if Atom has an integration, but GitHub Copilot, that sort of AI, I do think is is kind of going to lead the way to be able to to do what Seamus said, where you can kind of just write out natural language and say, ah, oh, I want to want to build a form that does this, that has these buttons, these fields, and I want to write some tests for it. And then just let the IDE do the rest. Like, I, I kind of think that's where we might end up. It's not going to be a chat GPT type thing where you go to a separate website or a separate tool. It's like, no, no, it will be the tool that you're using and you'll go from there. Who's going to be the first company to produce? Because you're talking about the, the IDE wars, right? So it was like mm. Emacs versus Vim. And they were like in an arms race to see who could get the most or the, the best features out the door faster, yeah. right? Like who could build the most feature rich text editor first in this case it's like who's going to be the first company to produce an ide is it even going to be an ide mm-hmm. it probably will be JetBrains because one they've got a jet brains it's already in the name and they're probably going to call it like intellichat or something like that <laughs> well there's IPilot, right which i've always you know like that's a thing right the kind of like hints you get from your your ide or your text editor where it's like hey did you mean this word right your intellisense has always kind of made me giggle because it's like IntelliJ's IntelliSense, huh? It's intelligent, yay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wonder, it makes me think if there's going to be an IDE that is nothing like, maybe it wouldn't even class, classify as an IDE based on the description that we read at the start. You know, it's it's built around the entire ideology of writing natural language and getting back code. Mm. Um, or maybe we won't even see code anymore. Maybe it will just be its own natural language. Like, because the the different languages we have now, right? Like they uh, that's are hundred percent. So it's all transpiling and compiling, right? Yeah, I mean, because the the real one is like binary. Like, if you could write binary, I mean, you you can if you can read and write binary, you can do anything. Like, I, what if your file was like instead of function names and stuff, it's like, I'm just thinking like, what would the code look like? Keywords, right? Like, not even keywords. It's just like, here I want to do the thing. The thing needs to do this, this, and this. Done. Right? Like, you don't see code. Mm. You, that's your, that is your code. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about it like that because it's always you ask it for some code, it gives you back some code, and you put that in a file, and then mm. it looks like the rest of your code. Maybe we'll end up with languages that are, like, everything we're reading and writing is natural, natural language, and we trust it so inherently that under the hood, because, like, we trust TypeScript to transpile to JavaScript. Yeah. And we trust that to, you know, be read in by a browser, and that browser, at, at some point, it's zeros and ones. Yep. So why is a programming language that is entirely NLP, it's entirely like what you would say to another human and you never actually look at code? Yeah. But, that but could here's be. where it gets crazier. Like what, what, what is that? What, can you have the same code generated by two different actual languages, like English versus, say, Mandarin or French or this? Because right now I assume 
my naivety showing, I assume that GitHub Copilot does support multiple languages and therefore can do exactly that. You'd think so. So will we end up in a place where it's like we have a shared common language, you know, which let's just say for argument's sake, it's it's English. And what if you see the code in your language? Crazy. Well, I mean, that's what you'd assume, right? Like surely whatever language, natural language you're writing it in can generate the same code because we know we can do that now, right? But it does generate to the shared language, which is binary. So I've just um, I've just done a quick Google to see if there are any languages like that. And so there are a couple of programming language with English-like syntax. Uh, the list I've got here, AppleScript is one, ClearTalk, HyperTalk. AppleScript? Is yeah. by Apple or is it just coincidentally? Yeah, you know, it's by Apple. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's like set dialogue, dialogue reply to display dialogue. Like it's it's it is natural language. Uh, uh, this other one, HyperTalk. Some examples here. It's like put five times four into the result. The result being a variable, mm-hmm. um, which once transpiled down, just it looks like the result equals five five times four. Um, so uh, apparently there are languages that already do that, but. I think what you guys are pointing out is maybe that can be enhanced by the use of AI, which is really interesting. That could be could be a game changer. Could be. So going back to the IDE wars, right? We had this spoiler alert that now Visual Studio Code has won. I think it's pretty fair to say that Emacs and Vim have both lost. Although Vim's still around and Emacs is pretty low on that list. So maybe... Um, Maybe Vim's the real victor in the original IDE war. But if if we go through and we, we go from 2016 Stack Overflow Survey to 2023, we know that Notepad++, Visual Studio Code, Sublime Text, Vim, those were like the top few. Then there was Eclipse, oh, IntelliJ, Android Studio. What, what do we think happens over time? Any predictions on, on what that kind of trend is before the winner that is Visual Studio Code came to the forefront? Well, I'm curious. Are there any, like, new IDEs in there which are, like, rising up the same way VS Code kind of was back in 2016? Well, there's a bunch that I've never even heard of. Oh. So, you know, there's, they? like, TextMate, Coda, Komodo, Zend, Lighttable. I'm like, okay. I've, I've never used any of those, so I have no idea what that is. Hmm. But... The, the really interesting thing is when you start to look at the uh, popular development environments by occupation. So web devs, you know, for, this is for 2017, Visual Studio, Notepad++, Sublime Text, Vim, Visual Studio Code. So already in 2017, Visual Studio Code had came up to 24%. But then if we look at system admins and DevOps, Vim, number one, 42%. Yeah, then Visual Studio Code, then Notepad++. So, like, already... I know, know a lot of engineers that have got Vim in their WebStorm yeah. and in their VS Code. Mm. So, like, know, that's, the, that's how they... Like, the idea of navigating text without using Vim commands is as foreign as the opposite. Like, it's as foreign yeah, see, as I just, using Vim. I use the keyboard shortcuts of IntelliJ to do it, but... You know, every now and then I do delve into Vim and I only really know enough Vim to be able to get in, copy, paste, insert text, delete text, and then get the hell out of Vim, right? That's, that's about it. Everyone needs to know how to get out of Vim. Like that will, will save your life. Over time though, looking at this trend, 2018, you know, all respondents, Visual Studio Code's winning at 34.9%. Then Visual Studio still hanging around IntelliJ's up there. Vim's, you know, 25-ish percent. We go to 2019, Visual Studio Code, 
50%. So like it clearly just got better and better and better over time. And there was, you know, the, the naive me in 2016 going like, <clears throat> fierce code is junk. I'm not using that. Back to my IntelliJ. So after all this, the answer is who won the IDE wars? A text editor. <laughs> yeah. He's like, rip, that's, um, that's something. And I mean, Vim's still kicking around. People still using Vim. Um, you know, you, you kind of see it over time. Like Vim's, Vim's still there in, in kind of the top 10. Um, One thing I... 2021, Vim has, you know, yeah, it's yeah. sitting at number five. And funnily enough, Notepad++ is still number three in 2021. So like, it's a Windows-only software. So, you know, obviously this is, this is just a subset of all developers, right? This is people who have responded to the survey. So this isn't an exhaustive list, but it's really funny to think that it's like Visual Studio Code 2021 coming in at 71%, then Visual Studio. So Visual Studio itself has been like sitting at like number two, just consistently, never, never number one, just number two always. And then it's like Notepad++, the original text editor in my mind for, for like my experience. It's like, yeah, still king. It's a great tool. Just quickly, hold on, I'm going to cut you off there. One thing that we didn't mention, which we're not going to have time for, but um, a, a trend that is also coming about is IDEs on the web, yes. uh, things like VS Code Dev or whatever whatever the website is, and as AWS Cloud9, I don't know if that's still around. Yep. But that, that is certainly another trend that we're seeing where you can have an ID just straight on your browser, yep. which, uh, which yeah, maybe that is something in the future which will become more pre prevalent. It's funny. When I was at uni, that's actually what I needed and what I wanted because I, I didn't want a laptop. I just wanted a tablet with a little keyboard attached to it, and I just wanted yep. a little tiny thing that I can just, like, do quick coding on the go. And I always wish that I had a good cloud IDE, and we use one in the grad program, and I think also in our interview process we use a cloud IDE. And We're not going to tell you which one, though. It has some... I feel like it's not quite there yet. Yeah, I, I honestly feel like it's not quite there. So, but maybe that's where we'll end up. So there you have it. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this particular podcast. IDE Wars, well, the war is over and it looks like Emacs and Vim both lost. Although Vim's, you know, coming in close, but Visual Studio Code is apparently the winner of the IDE Wars so far in 2023, according to the survey results of Stack Overflow. And if you think VS Code is more than a text editor, if it's actually an IDE, tell us why. Send us your emails. We'll uh, read them. <laughs> <laughs>